Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Today, we get the great privilege of having Pastor Joe Eisenbrandt from Mountain Life and McCall join. Can we give him a hand as he comes up here? Good morning. Joe is actually one of uh, just my favorite people in the world because of this. Uh, Joe's faithfulness is unparalleled. And, and, and Joe, I just, I, before our congregation and our church family online, I just want you to know um, how honored I am to call you my friend. Um, but even more so to learn from you in life and watch your life of faithfulness to the body of Christ, to your calling, um, to living in McCall, which I know is torture for you. Um, but, but honestly, I just, I so respect your pursuit of God. I so respect the way that you lead in the body of Christ. And you have set such a great example for me as a brother to follow with. Uh, you've been such a blessing to River Valley and our church family. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Joe is also a veteran. And we just uh, celebrated Veterans Day this last week. And we give him a joke. I mean, he was a Marine, so we won't hold that against him. Uh, but Joe, I just, I want you to know how much I love you and uh, how much I appreciate you and uh, so stoked to get to be here today and having some fun together. Well, thank you. Make me cry in front of my friends and family. Um, thanks, buddy. Um, I just, I, you know, I love, I love being here, love being with you all. Uh, this is extended family. We, we say it all the time. If we lived here, this, is, this would be our church family. You are our church family anyway, but this would be our every week church family if we lived here. Um, so great to be with you guys, and thank you, and, and ditto, back at you. Come on, and, and for those of you that don't know, Joe's family's joining us today. Uh, we've got Heidi and Samuel, they're kind of hiding out over here. They're, they're introverts, so everybody just don't, don't t- totally look at them. Um, we've got some they of their, his relatives, Joe's mom's here, so we've got to be like good today. Like, my mom's here, and Joe's mom's here, so we're in trouble. Um, so hold on, church, it's going to be a fun ride together. Um, We're going to jump right into a conversation that you and I have been talking about this week, uh, just spending some time talking on the local church, talking on what this really looks like. Um, As as all of you know, we've been spending some time in the book of Acts, letting the scripture kind of teach us what it looks like to be the local church and what it looks like to function together. And uh, today we're going to dig into some stuff that's going to push us beyond the four walls of this church. Can I get an amen? How many of you know that the church, the body of Christ, was never designed just for this? This is a wonderful part of being together as the body of Christ, but this is not actually what the church was designed for. We were never designed for the comfort of our our, our chairs. We were never designed to to just come and hang out together and sing Kumbaya and enjoy the presence of God. That that is not what the church was, was really designed for, but how many of you know it's really easy to get comfortable right here? Yeah, amen. You know, Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, I used to think that that meant that the devil was running after us with a gate. But if you think about what that means for a minute, the gates of hell won't prevail. That means the church is in the offense. It doesn't mean that we're cowered in a corner, that we're hiding, that, that, that we're somehow trying to just hold on until Jesus comes or just hold on until COVID is passed or just hold on until the elections are whatever. Um, but that God actually intended for us, the church, to be on the offense and that it's the kingdom of darkness that gets torn down. 
while we advance the kingdom of light. And the invitation for us is to be part of that. Yeah. And so today we want to take a look at just a kind of a special place in Scripture. I want you to open up your Bibles if you've got them. Um, if you don't have them, we can get you one. If you need one, you can raise your hand and we can get a Bible to you. Uh, for those of you using electronic devices, um, good luck. And um, we're going we're gonna to dive right in here today to a passage of Scripture that we want to take a look at. And what we want to understand about the early church is, is that the early church faced some incredible obstacles, some incredible challenges. Um, and the early church got really comfortable with hanging out in Jerusalem. That was kind of the epicenter of where the early church was birthed. And they were super comfortable with that. But God led the church into some difficult seasons. And yes, you heard my theology correct right there. God led the early church into some difficult places because God had something that he wanted to do with this message of the gospel that couldn't happen if they just hung out and chilled in Jerusalem. And Joe, we were talking about that this week, and you were, you were bringing up some really good points that the, the kind of irony of this is that the church was birthed out of hardship. Yeah, so I believe you read just last week, or you studied just last week, that uh, the church was doing well, it was growing, they were having some great church services, and then, uh, and then persecution happens. And a guy named Stephen, who wasn't the pastor, sorry, uh, he was a servant in the church, he was a faithful man, uh, he preaches, and preaching gets him in trouble. Anybody have their words get them in trouble? Um, uh, anyway, he, he gets killed, and uh, Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes Paul, is standing there giving approval to what's happening, and it's on. And the church now goes from the, their glory days, as you will, their comfort days, to now being persecuted, being scattered, and, oh no, what do we do? We can't meet in a building. Oh no, what do we do? Our normal Sunday routine is now disrupted. Well, uh, let's take a look at Acts chapter 8. And this is probably not a popular or a church growth model that a lot of pastors would choose to, to use this passage. Uh, but this, but this is, is where the early church went from, uh, well, I don't want to give away the the punchline. But this is where they went from everyone's good and happy and singing kumbaya to now things start to happen and people are dying and getting scattered. And now where, where, they, were, where they were enjoying acceptance in their city and acceptance in their region, now suddenly things shift and things change. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So just pause on that for just a moment. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. Oh, but pastor, but what about the verse that says, don't forsake the assembly, don't forsake the gathering? Well, here the church just, they're getting what would seem they're in hard times or bad times, and it says that they were scattered, and yet they preached everywhere they went. Philip, verse 5, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. They were scattered. Come on. So, so we, we look at this passage of Scripture here, and Joe and I were kind of laughing about this this week because we, we look at the church today and what we're sensing and feeling in our culture. 
We look at the church today, specifically in the United States, and we see what's happening through the pandemic. We see what's happening through not being able to gather in the way that we traditionally would think or like to. And, and we're experiencing much of the same tensions and pressures that the early church was experiencing. And, and the Bible actually tells us that, that through that process, through the church being scattered, something extraordinary began to take place. And here's what it was. It wasn't that pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets were out preaching. It was that everybody was sharing the good news of the gospel everywhere they went. In other words, the church, the body of Christ, us sitting in this room here, all of a sudden took on the responsibility, wait a minute, it's not just up to Peter. It's not just up to John. It's up to us to carry the good news wherever we get scattered to. We're not going to hang out here in Jerusalem anymore because it's getting really uncomfortable. And so they began to move out from those places. And we, we get this story about a guy named Philip. And we're going to dig into his life here for a second because it's a beautiful example for us on how to approach this, this adaptability mentality that the church had to adopt early on. The church was comfortable with doing church the way that they were enjoying it around Jerusalem, but something switched, and the church had to begin to adapt the, the method of their delivery of the gospel, not the message. I want to say that one more time. The church had to adapt, become adaptable in the method, the way that they presented the gospel, not in the message of the gospel. Let me tell you this, the message of the cross will never change. Jesus came, he died, he went to the cross, he bore your sin and my sin upon himself so that we could find forgiveness of sin, and the good news is, is he rose on the third day. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard the message of the gospel, but it is as simple as that. Jesus came and he died for your sin and for mine so that we could have a relationship with the Father. That is the message, the good news of the gospel. The method by which we connect that with people's lives has been changing for over 2,000 years. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And the early church was wrestling with that concept, but Philip grabbed a hold of this, and we see what happens when the church begins to adapt to what's going on around them. In verse 26 of Acts chapter 8, we see kind of a, an unveiling of this man, Philip, and, and the way that he presented the gospel. Let me read it to you. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandrick, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning Seating, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit, notice those words, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. The Holy Spirit speaks to Philip, puts him in the right location first off, and then begins to speak to him and says, hey, I want you to go over and I want you to get close to him. So here's what Philip does. Notice it doesn't say that Philip prayed about it. Man, it is quiet in here this morning. Notice that it doesn't say Philip consults like Scripture to see if this was aligned with Scripture. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. I think we need to wait on the Lord. I think we need to make sure that the things we're hearing from God are, are clear. But, but what it says is that Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? 
Do you understand what you're reading? Here's, here's what the guy's response is. The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. Now, I want you to just pause there for a moment and recognize something, that something extraordinary took place in this. Remember, Philip is fleeing from Jerusalem because of the persecution that's going on there. And God begins to speak to Philip. I want you to know this was not an isolated event. This is one of the ways that the church was adapting to getting the gospel out. And it's shocking that we think it's crazy that the Holy Spirit might have to speak to us so that we could go communicate with somebody that was in need in a moment. But this is exactly what we're seeing here. We're seeing Philip respond to a word from the Lord to him, and it opened up a whole new territory. I mean, it opened up a whole new spectrum of what it looked like for the gospel to go out. Yeah, I guess the first question is um, to to jump ahead. um, How do we respond when things get difficult? And who do we listen to? Um, You know, as you're talking about listening to the Holy Spirit, I, I often say this kind of jokingly, sort of sarcastically, that if God speaks to you, who are you going to pray to to make sure you should do it or not? Um, but so here, here are the disciples, here, here are Jesus' followers, and difficult things are happening, hard things are happening, um, uh, wars and rumors of wars. I mean, there, there's so many modern uh, day correlations that we can make to this passage, and, and here they are, they're their norm is disrupted. Anybody have their norms disrupted this year? Only two of you? You are an amazing church. I'm just going to say I need to move down here because we, uh, we, we got flipped upside down this year. Um, but so here the early church is, they're, they're facing incredible adversity. And, you know, our human nature is for us to back off. Our, our human nature is for us to, you know, we don't read about a protest in Jerusalem you know, stop the persecution with their signs. or We, we don't hear about that. We, we hear the people of God, like Philip, being scattered and responding and listening to the Holy Spirit. And if there's a takeaway today, I think this would be one of those first things, is listening to the voice of God. Well, does God speak today? Yes, He does. And in fact, I heard someone say not too long ago that, that if God doesn't speak today, then we should not say it's possible to have a relationship with Jesus. Right? And so God spoke then, God speaks now. How do we know what to do in these situations is listen to the voice of God. Um, I should move on and not preach. Um, and so, so now Philip has this encounter with, this, with the Ethiopian, and he preaches the gospel. After preaching to the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian has this response. I love it. Why shouldn't I get baptized right now? I, I love that response. I wish... Church was more like that, like Sunday morning. Why should I get baptized? Uh, hey, there's a puddle out back. Let's just let's just go do it. He was so excited because the message connected with him. And this is here's Philip, not a PhD, not a pastor, not highly educated. He simply was a guy who got scattered and just allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him to the right place at the right time. In fact, a chapter or two before that says that Philip was a guy who waited tables on Sundays. He was a guy who just served in the church, and yet here he is. So he has this encounter with this Ethiopian, and, and he goes through the full salvation experience. The Word connects it. He gives, his, he gives his heart to Jesus. He gets baptized in water, and then immediately, here's the cool part, the Holy Spirit takes Philip away, poof, and he goes on to the next place. But here's what you might not know about this Ethiopian, is that this Ethiopian guy who Philip, just a guy, Philip, encountered, 
this guy is accredited as being the father of Christianity to Northern Africa. So Ethiopia and so much of that region, now to, to this day, the, the tradition has it that, that this guy that Philip encountered accidentally through persecution, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, accidentally, had an impact on his own nation. And being, and being a eunuch under Candace meant that he had influence with the queen, with the leadership of a nation. Yeah, come on. All because Philip didn't stay home and allowed the, the, the things get, the discomfort, the things getting turned upside down allowed him to get pushed out. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Oftentimes we don't, we don't take into full context what we're reading in Scripture. Because for most of us, we've read through this story and we're like, good job, Philip, you saved a guy. Like, you got a guy connected with heaven. Philip, that was a lot of faith. Good job. Way to, way to go, buddy. But what we don't realize is Philip was was a dude just doing everyday life. He was scattered from where he was comfortable, and now he was in an uncomfortable environment. And he simply responded to the word of the Lord in his life. Listen to me. Come on, church, listen. And changed the entire direction of northern Africa. I want you to think about that for your life. And how often every day we just go through the motions of getting up, going to work, doing our thing, and not ever realizing that God might want to have an Ethiopian encounter for you. It just may be that God wants to connect with you in a way, maybe through your lunch break, or maybe you're walking down the street, or whatever environment that you find yourself in. And He might want to release a word through your life so that an entire nation can be changed. If Philip, a guy who was waiting tables and just hanging out with the local church, when we actually study him before this, he was, he was just a normal guy, just doing normal life. But when persecution hit the church, they all scattered for J Jerusalem. And as he went, he just tuned his ears to listen to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And because of that, an entire nation, an uh, entire uh, region of the, the world got to experience the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, could it be that God wants to do way more through your life than you're ever giving Him credit for? Could it be that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, but we might just be in too big of a hurry to listen, and we might be missing our Ethiopian opportunity? Could it be that God wants to use you to impact your CEO at your work? Could it be that God wants to use you to, to speak into the life of the mayor of the city? Could it be that God wants you to connect with your neighbor and, and help them connect with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're going to go and tell 10,000 people about the good news of Jesus? Could it be? Listen, according to Scripture, the answer to that would be yes. Yes, not only could it be, this is exactly how the early church spread the gospel all over the known world at that time. And Philip is just one story of this. Joe, you were, you were telling me a little story. In fact, we've been talking about it for months now. Um, but I asked you the other day to, to share it with us uh, about what God did with you guys. Uh, your church is in McCall. Um, there's a lot to do in McCall. There, there, there's, a lot, there's people there that need to know Christ. Your church is rooted there well. But God led you guys into a Holy Spirit moment um, outside of that space. Can you, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, uh, first of all, um, you know, McCall is a perfect place to live. You're God's favorite if you live there. Just saying, just saying, you shall come. Uh, but, you know, um, our area is actually, you know, Boise is one of the fastest growing cities in the, in the country. Uh, McCall, therefore, is following suit because people are 
moving from here to there and moving from they're, elsewhere. They're leaving Boise to go to McCall. Um, and, um, and, uh, and so, so many people are coming and, and, and so much growth and, and so many things are happening. And then, and this is all before COVID and then now post-COVID, um, even more people are coming and they're trying to escape out of some states and some places. I won't name those places. Um, uh, but... Um, <clears throat> But a couple years ago, uh, the Holy Spirit actually, and that sounds really spiritual when I say it, right? I'd say, the Holy Spirit led me. Hey, here's how simple it was. Every time I would drive through New Meadows, anybody know where New Meadows is over in 95? Every time I would drive through New Meadows, my heart would just get, just, it would, I can't really explain it. I would just be drawn to that place. And so over the course of a couple years, every time I would be there, I would pray around the town. I would drive around. I'd walk around. I have a bunch of friends who live down there. Quite a few people from our church attend there, uh, or, that attend our church live down there. And, and so uh, we would, I would take opportunities just to be there and get to know people. And I got to know the, the, the mayor at the time and, and, uh, and begin to have some conversations. And I would just constantly feel this tugging. And again, I, that sounds really spiritual, but we'll just put it like I just couldn't get New Meadows off my mind. We'll just put it that way. And so, um, so we began to pray and I began to talk to some friends from, uh, who live in that area, some folks that work in different businesses that are, part, that are connected with our church. Um, and, and we just began to ask God, what will you have us do and what does the community need? And what we found was there was an incredible amount of need in that community in, in so many different areas. But spiritually, there was a huge need. Um, the, the church in that area had gone through a lot of heartache and breakups and different things, and what was remaining there was, was not super whole and healthy. Um, and so as we began to just talk and pray, we, just, we really recognized that people really just needed some relationship, they needed Jesus, and they needed to be loved on. So uh, a year ago, actually, this week, um, we just decided to start a small group uh, in New Meadows, uh, and we call it our accidental church plant. Because uh, the Holy Spirit just simply was leading us, leading me to do something there. We started a group. We just wanted to have dinner, and I figured four or five people would come. Uh, that first night, we had over 40 people show up. Uh, and our New Meadows group, church plant, is now a year old. Uh, people are serving the community. People are coming from all over to be part of it. And God is doing really a, a miraculous thing. And let me, let me just tie this back into the passage that we're talking about. It doesn't look like anything I've ever done before. It doesn't look like church. It's just people loving on each other, getting together, hanging out, having food. Yes, I, yes, I do preach the Bible. I do preach from the Bible in case you were worried. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, we do, we do disciple. We are making disciples. We're helping people to grow in God. Um, but it looks so different than what we ever thought. Had I tried to do it based on the, if I tried to conform to my experience or conform to how we always do things, it would not have happened this way. Church, I think as we um, just close our time here today and we're going to lead into some discussion here, when we think about the way that God builds his church, um, we have, a, we have a framework, a paradigm that we function in because most of us have grown up in an American culture and really grown up in an American church culture. But could it be, could it be that God has different ways of building His church based on time and location? 
Could it be that the way that we have all been accustomed to coming to church and being a part of a local church is not the only way for him to build the church? Could it be? And I want to stretch your heart and mind a little bit this morning because I believe that God's calling us forward as the body of Christ into a new season of faith and expectation about how he wants to build his church. Joe's is a perfect example of what took place in New Meadows and a life-giving community of believers and unbelievers that are, are becoming a part of that because they just simply said, we're going to go there and just meet with people. Philip started the church of North Africa, not because he was intending to, but because he was just willing to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit was speaking in his life. Church is taking place all over the globe right now in the day and age and culture in which we live, and it looks radically different than what you and I experience on the weekends. The church of Iran right now is meeting in groups of somewhere between four and ten, hidden in the basements of every nook and cranny that they can, and it is the fastest growing church on the planet. The church of Iran is not led by super apostles or or people who have big platforms to stand on and TV shows. It's led by women who know how to pray. Come on, on, church, listen to me. We're seeing the church grow exponentially in the nations of the earth today where it's illegal to be a Christian in those places. Could it be that God might want to do something different in the United States of America when it comes to how our method of getting the good news out is presented to the world? And I just want to present to you today, based on Scripture, my answer would be without a doubt. Am I thankful for what has led us to where we are? Oh, man. I can't even... I can't even Describe how grateful I am for the faithful men and women of God who have led the gospel movement in the United States of America. I'm here today because my mom got saved in this church a long, long time ago. And I used to sit under the pews of this church while worship and prayer and all those things were going on. And it transformed and changed my life. I'm thankful for that. But could it be in the day and age and culture that we're in right now that God might be shifting some things in the church so that the message of the gospel can be can be more um, connected to the culture that we're in today. It's not that the message has changed, but our method is. And as we lead into our time of discussion today, we've got some things that we want you to think about. We want some some things that we want you to pray through here just for a few minutes together. Uh, but Joe, as we go into that time, and I'm going to get to you to your questions here in a second. Joe, can you just just take just a moment and just kind of put a capstone on what you sense God is speaking to us today? Um, and how we take this adaptive mentality into this realm of, of the gospel being presented in our culture. Yeah, you know, first, first I would probably start off with just one of my own experiences, like I shared with, with New Meadows, is, you know, just about every time God blows my mind and does something amazing and miraculous in my life, it's when he forces me outside of what I'm used to. And it's the times where I tried to hold on I try to conform to my experience and my past. I try to conform to the, the norms or what's right or what I was taught even. It's those times where it's like me resisting the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Scripture even talks about the, what happens when we resist what the Holy Spirit is doing. Well, what happens if Philip resists the Holy Spirit? Think of the millions that aren't reached. Think of, think of Billy Graham resisted God making him get out of his comfort zone. Uh, what if uh, 
What if, what if Pastor Tim just decided to stay in the EMT? What, happen, what happens then when the Holy Spirit is doing something to, to, to get us out of our comfort zone? What happens if a guy from Homedale uh, just decides to stay an introvert and never open his mouth and, and speak? What happens to a place like New Meadows or what happens to, to, to places around the world? And so I would, I would just say, you know, when, when God moves and when God grows, when he grows us personally and when he grows the world around us, advances the kingdom around us, it always includes some kind of a shift and change in our norm and our way of thinking. And so I would, I would say, you know, I would pose the question, what norms are being challenged in your life? And maybe what things are you fighting against? What things are you holding so tightly onto? You know, when COVID started, um, so many pastors were saying, we're going to meet. We're going to meet. We're not going to do the online thing. And, and listen, technology terrifies me. Um, my son is great at it. I'm not. Um, looking at my face on a screen every week terrifies me. Um, that might terrify you, too, is looking at me on screen. But, um, but it's, it, what, a, uh, what a difficult thing to get over. But just look at what has happened. Hundreds of people have been reached through the shift to an online presence and churches having to change and retool how they're doing. Look at what's happening here. And one of the things I just, I, I want to add on uh, and kind of bring this around and also and as an encouragement to you is, you know, um, COVID didn't, in, you know, shutdowns and masks and all those things um, didn't keep you from being the church. In fact, River Valley is more of the church now through through what has got, God has done. If, if if the concern was forsaking the assembly, you guys are assembling better now than you used to. I mean, you're connecting in home church, you're connecting online, you're connecting here. But it, but more so than just coming and being entertained on Sunday, you're in relationship, and and that's what happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to shift your paradigm and cause you to actually be more like. God intended, um, and so as 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 we as we contemplate this and consider this, what is it that God is moving? Where are we going in the future? I don't know. But as if the Holy Spirit is leading, is in charge, and is in charge, who knows? You might be the leader of an accidental church plant. You might be the the, the leader uh, or the or the person who doesn't lead, who's behind the scenes, like Philip, who who never got a name tag senior staff apostle or anything like that, Philip, who leads one person to the Lord who changes a culture. Church, we've got a unique opportunity in front of us. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Joe to pray over us, and then uh, we're going we're to break out into our groups here in just a second and have some discussion and prayer together. Um, I'll share with you those questions here in just a second. But Joe, would you just pray over us this morning as we just close this, this part of our time together? Yeah, would you, would you just incline your ear, your heart to the Holy Spirit? Lord, we just simply want to respond to what you're doing. And Lord, would you help us today, and would you help us in this season, and of all the reports and the news and everything that's happening out in the world around us, Lord, would you help us to listen to your voice first? Lord, louder than the media, louder than all the noise pollution, louder than the politics, louder than, even louder than our own fears and concerns and our what-ifs, Lord, would you speak loudly to every single one of our hearts? And, and Lord, as we contemplate and we consider what it is that you're doing, Lord, we just want to be a people that are led by you. And we want to just want to be a people who make an impact on this planet, but Lord, especially that are aligned with what you're doing. Our survivability in the future rests on our dependency on you and your voice. And so, Lord, help us to hear you clearly today. 
In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.